You're listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. Today, I want to talk to you about an extraordinary life. And I want to start off because a lot of you know me, a lot of you don't know me or know what I do, but uh, I'm a wedding designer, but I also do home design as well. And so uh, I, I want to start this off by giving you a little, uh, the origin of where this thought process came a couple of years ago. I intend to write a book about it, but I'm, I'm one of those, I just can't seem to get started. <clears throat> but anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Those who have written a book say the first time you, the one you, first one you get out of the way, the rest of them come easy, but I hadn't experienced that yet. But anyway, I just want to give you a little short story to start because this is where all of a sudden I realized some extraordinary things had happened to me in my life and that I started to see the extraordinary in my life because of this situation. I was decorating a home for a lady. Um, and I asked her if she had grandchildren that I needed to be careful about what I put down low. And she said, no, they're all bigger, etc." And she said, well, how many grandchildren do you have? And I said, well, I have 10. She said, wow, 10. I said, well, yes, but then I always would feel like I needed to explain how I had 10 grandchildren because naturally I only have three grandchildren that are physically DNA for, for me. But during the course of mine and Marvin's 40 years of marriage, we've had eight other young people live in our home. And it wasn't um, kids that came through the foster system. It was just kids that we heard about that needed, like one of them, Michael, that came and sang at our anniversary. Um, he was, uh, he's an awesome vocalist. He was in um, American Idol season eight and was in the top 10. And we got to go out to LA and participate in that so to me right there that was pretty extraordinary that doesn't happen to too many people only 10 people every year parents get to do that so anyway um, <clears throat> like as an example Jason was a youth pastor at a former church and Michael was helping with the music and he realized he was going to be in a situation where he had no place to spend the night that night and so Jason says well you know mom and dad have an extra room and why don't you just come on home with me I'll explain to them what you need and you know you can spend the night and you can decide you know what you need to do well what he needed to do ended up being he lived with us till he got married and so um also, Marvin and I, when we got married, Jason is my natural child. I'd had him from a previous marriage, but Marvin adopted him as soon as possible, which was six months. And um, so anyway, um, Marvin and I were unable to have children together. And the last time that we prayed that God would give us a baby, which we prayed many times, many times of disappointment of not having a pregnancy, um, the last time we prayed, I just knew this was the last time I was going to ask God for that. And uh, nine months to the day, our niece came to live with us, and she lived with us from the age of 13 until she got married, which uh, there was a couple of uh, times that she moved out to go to college and such, but she came back home. So about five to seven years, somewhere in there. <clears throat> but anyway, um, that's just to give you an example of why I would feel like I needed to explain. Not all of those young people come home to us anymore, um, like at Christmas, but um, some of them do. Um, Rodney and Antoine are two young men who were living, um, they had come to Jasper and they were living in a halfway house just because there, no one could take them, uh, take them and there was some trouble going on at the halfway house and so Marvin and I looked at one another and we, he, we said get in the truck and we went down to the halfway house and we said Rodney and Antoine y'all need to come home with us, get your stuff, you're going to live with us. 
And, you know, you never know what seed you're planting in someone's life. Rodney is now a Texas Ranger. Antoine is a chef in Mississippi. Uh, my niece is an attorney. She practices law in Louisiana and in Texas. And Michael, y'all have seen him before, and he, he's a music pastor in College Station. So um, obviously you know Jason, and of course he is my pride and joy, I have to say. Uh, but anyway, that kind of gives you a background of our life and some extraordinary things that happen to us. You know, we can do extraordinary things, but a lot of times those things happen to us, not necessarily like, you know, I'm so extraordinary, you know, that I'm going to do all this stuff. That's not how it is. God will take something as simple as someone needing a place to lay their head at night and they come in your home, and they send you a letter years later and say, you know, we weren't there with y'all very long, but you don't realize what seed you planted. Doesn't take long to put a seed in the ground. Doesn't take long, just a second. And in a life, you know, three months could be just a second. But those young men that uh, Rodney, he sent a, a, a letter to us, and he said, now I know, he said, there's not a night that I didn't see Mr. Marvin kiss you goodnight. There's not a night that you didn't walk by our door. Because these boys were 16 and 17. I'm not going to be tucking them in bed. I mean, you know. <clears throat> so anyway, but we'd walk by their door. I'd walk by every night and I'd say, I love you. Y'all rest well. And he said, now I know how to treat my family. Now I know what it's like to have a family experience. And so you never know what you're doing for someone else. And it may seem like a simple thing to you. That was simple. That was just the way we lived, you know. Marvin, you're going to kiss me every night before we go to bed, okay. And so anyway, <laughs> 40 years we've been married. You might want to try that. Um, anyway, but, <laughs> but anyway, um, I want to get on into the message. But the reason why I'm telling all of that is because Trina, the lady I was doing her home, she, um, she looked at me and she said, wow. You've lived a very extraordinary life. And I immediately responded to her, oh, I'm nobody special. And then I heard God's voice say to me, don't ever think of yourself as not special again. And all of a sudden, my memories began to flood my mind of my life and things that really were extraordinary. It's not the normal course of events to have eight kids live in your house that you never saw before. Now, my niece, obviously, I'd seen her before. But the rest of them, not one of them had any kind of relation. The last young woman that came to live with us, um, I wish I could say, but because of the age of the children in here, I won't. But the mem her last memory of her mother was at four and a half. And um, the mom had a drug issue, and she needed money. And so you can probably figure out what was going on with that child at four and a half years old. That's the memory you have of your mother. That young woman needed a mama that could sow into her what love from a mama is like. Yeah. Yeah. And the school called me about her and said, we got a young lady, and this is her story. And I was so moved with compassion. And I said, let her come, come home with us. If she, if she likes us, it's a go. If she don't. We prayed about it. We called, I think I've told you all this story before. We called a lot of people to pray for us that if she wasn't to be in our home that we would immediately know it because the worst thing we could do for that young lady was to invite her to live with us and not be working out and then tell her she's going to have to leave. Right. She didn't need to hear, you got to leave one more time. Exactly. So we opened our home um, 
and we also know what it's like to let those kids go. There comes a time when that, that place that you're sowing in their life comes to an end, and you, you, you feel, I physically felt the release. The day that we went to see Olivia, which is the last young lady, uh, I went to see her. She had moved to uh, Lufkin, and it was her birthday. I wanted to take her to lunch, and my friend and I went with me. And um, <clears throat> we were leaving the restaurant, and I looked at my friend Mary. I said, Mary, that's, that's, that was odd. She said, yeah, it kind of was. And I'm going to tell you, immediately I felt the physical weight of that relationship leave my body. And I knew that it was done. I had done what I had, that the Lord had called me to do, and it was finished. Now, do I love her? Would I have open arms for, if she wanted to come back? Of course. But I knew that my responsibility was done. Okay, so let me move on into the message. You know, a lot of men and women in the Bible, we look at them and we think, oh, my goodness, Moses, you know, man, he was extraordinary. And we, we look at other people, Mary, all these other people in the Bible that we think, we could never measure up to them, but you know they were people just like you and me. They were. You, you think you might be nervous about putting a rod up and telling the you know the seat apart? I think I might be. So you know that they had concerns and probably fears about moving into what they wanted. Uh, they knew God wanted them to do, but they had um, extraordinary opportunities and. They happened to them, and they accomplished a lot of extraordinary feats. So when I do a word study like this, I like to look up the word in just the regular dictionary and find out what it means. So extraordinary means that it's outside the normal course of events, just like I shared with you about my own life and the kids living with us. That was outside the normal course of events because normally you have a, a you know two adults get married and they procreate and and they have their own family well that didn't happen for us that way so God gave us children another way so <clears throat> it's also unusual or remarkable or something extremely good or has having a special quality so what I want to do today is I want to break these down and I want you to look at your own life and begin to see extraordinary things that have happened to you so that you can begin to walk in the extraordinary, okay? Because it's going to happen all the time. And it's like once your eyes are open to it, then you can see it happen, okay? So outside the normal course of events might be, here's just an example. You may think it's un, uh, mundane and it's a small thing, but it's a really big thing, especially to the person that you perform that on. But say you're in a public place and someone has a heart attack and you know CPR and you get over there and you start pumping that chest. What's that song? Staying alive. Ba, 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 staying alive. That's how you kind of, th- I hadn't had the course, but I know the song. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> Bee Gees, uh, anyway, showing my age. <laughs> All right, but anyway, so you know CPR and you just happen to be there. Well, you've done an extraordinary thing. You've saved someone's life. Isn't that pretty extraordinary? It's out of the realm of the normal. Uh, the next person you meet, the next connection, it could mean that there, that's a door that's opening for you a new job or a promotion. You never know. You know, um, here's, a, here's an example of that. Now, our niece Callie, she's beautiful. She's tall, slender, got olive skin, dark hair, dark eyes. And a friend of ours, or I say a friend, our, one of our former pastors and his wife, they knew Tommy Tenney, the guy that wrote the book Hadassah, uh, which the screenplay in the movie uh, One Night with the King was made from. Okay, so uh, they called our church and said, we need some moms and daughters. If you have some in your church that would come to Dallas, we're going to do some promotional filming for the movie. And we need people to be like 
um, you know, it was the story of Esther. And because Callie was our niece, and she came to live with us, and she was in Miss Jasper. She was crowned Miss Jasper, so it was kind of like she was a queen. We used Esther was real important to us just because of the storyline. Well, <clears throat> when we found out that's what this was about, and they had all these women and their daughters in the house of preparation for the women that they had brought together for the king to be his next wife. And so they said, uh, can you come? So I called her. She was already practicing law, and I said, Callie, I so wish that you didn't have such a busy schedule because we're going to Dallas to do this filming. She said, you know, I think I'm going to clear my calendar, and I'm going to come. So she flew to Dallas and met us there, and um, they were just smitten with her. I mean, they said there are a lot of attractive people in the world, but not everyone films well, and the camera loves you. And they said, we know you don't want to be an actress. You got your own job. But if you wanted to do promotional stuff like advertising and stuff. So like she ended up on posters like around in a hospital and stuff like that because she dressed up like a nurse and all that in, in these ads. But they said, you could make a lot of extra money doing that. So she did. But uh, they loved her so much. They said, can you come to India and be an extra in the movie? Well, because I was the one that kind of got her connected to all this. She wanted to know if I could go. And so I went for two weeks with Callie to India while she filmed as an extra in this movie. And that's extraordinary, you know, for me to get to participate in that. And I really didn't have anything to do it except that I was a connector because I had a connector with someone else. So networking is very important for those of you who are in the business world. Don't think it's just mundane and slight it could be the next big thing that happens it's like stepping on the little pad that opens the door you never know where your next step is going to take you the door may open I mean I never wanted to be in business I didn't even go in business until I was 40 years old who knows at 18 especially you young men you're expecting to know what you're going to be when and, and support a family with at 18 how many of you men knew what you were going to do at 18 for real very few do very few. I never dreamed of owning a business. The door opened and I walked through it. So be, be looking, be alert to what's going on in your life and realize it can be the next extraordinary thing in your life. So I do want to talk about a few people in the Bible. I'm going to talk about Ruth first. Uh, her life was outside the normal course of events because she was a young woman who was married. Uh, she and her husband had no children. Uh, he died, her brother-in-law died, and her father-in-law died, and it left Naomi alone. <clears throat> so, um, Naomi said, I don't have any more sons that y'all could marry, so you need to just go back to your people and live your life, find a husband there, and have children. And Ruth told her, no, I'm not going to do that. And I don't know the reasons why uh, Ruth didn't go home. Uh, who knows? I, I don't know. It's not in the Bible that I've ever read. But anyway, uh, she told Ruth, uh, she told Naomi, excuse me, in Ruth 1, 16 and 17, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, your God, my God, and where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. So sometimes our extraordinary comes through pain. This was a painful situation. I can't imagine having to walk through that and there are women in the world that have had to suffer that so um, it was extraordinary because it was out of the ordinary and and so um, painful situations sometimes are it's birthed out of that 
And courage gives us the will to move forward, which brings us to the willingness to do the extraordinary. We then have to walk it out. And Ruth showed courage by staying with Naomi. She willed herself to stay, and she walked it out by what? Being obedient to Naomi's instruction. There were specific things that Naomi told her to do. She said, go glean in this field over here. Uh, when it came time that, that Boaz was her uh, redeeming kinsman, which if, if you haven't have a lot of Bible knowledge, what that meant was when a man died, the next relational person would take that woman and marry her so that there could be children born, okay? There was not a near kinsman for her husband that died. So they go to this country, Naomi's homeland, and here ends up being a redeemer kinsman, but Boaz had to agree to it because somebody else was a little closer. But anyway, Naomi got, got all of that, told her what to do. So anyway, Ruth ends up laying at the feet of Boaz one night, so that meant that she wanted to marry him, so they ended up getting married. So that was the way things were in that day and time. Okay, so after that, she had a child with Boaz. His name was Obed, and his son was Jesse, and Jesse's son was King David. And Ruth is named in the lineage of Jesus Christ. So that was just everyday life that was extraordinary. And so I keep telling these stories out of the Bible and these experience I've had because I want you to start looking at your life again. Start looking at your life for what's been extraordinary. Um, the next thing about being extraordinary, the, the uh, dictionary says it's, it, it's unusual or remarkable. So has the Lord spoken to you about something specific? Um, have you ever been in Walmart and you've run across somebody that you can tell? I mean, you don't know them, but you can tell, man, they are struggling. Maybe they're crying. I think I've cried in Walmart before, not because of the prices or because I couldn't find something, I just was having a bad day. I was struggling with a situation. And believe me, there have been times in my life where I just, all I could do was say, help me, God. I will tell you about one time I prayed. Y'all find this is funny. Um, I said, Lord, you got to help me. And the first thing I heard in my mind was, write this down, take a little note. And I thought, you like country music? <laughs> So I went in the house. I was mad at Marvin, okay? We've been married 40 years. I've been mad at him a couple times. Okay. So um, I, I go in the house, and I said, you know what, Marvin? You know what I need you to do? I thought, oh, there he's coming in the door, but it's not him. <laughs> I said, you know what I need you to do? And he said, what's that? And I said, I need you to write me a letter. I, I need you to write down how you really feel about me. And I was working at the bank. I was a teller supervisor uh, for a while at a bank. And uh, 9 o'clock, the doors opened. There was a florist with this beautiful arrangement. And in it was a letter. And it was Marvin telling me how he felt about me. And so, um, you know, why I heard George Strait, I don't know. But God used it because he was giving me something extraordinary that I was going to find. And it was in the middle of just crying out. And that's all I could pray. I didn't even have any words anymore. I'd prayed them all. All I could say was just help me, God. And he did. He did. So anyway, that was extra. 
Um, so anyway, maybe you've come across someone that really needed prayer. Maybe they just needed an encouraging word. You don't have to walk up and be all holy and say, oh, bless you and, you know, and all this. Just say, man, I see you're really having a, looks like you're having a hard day. I just want you to know that I care about you and that the Lord cares about you. And, you know, if the Lord leads you and they are open to receiving prayer from you, then that's great. You know, walk through whatever the Lord shows you and tells you to do. Also, um, you may need to pay for somebody's meal. Maybe the Lord's blessed you that week and you got extra money and you see a young family somewhere. You know, when you, when you look and you, you see a table full of six children, you know, that costs a lot of money to take those kids out to eat. And, uh, hey, Marvin and I, we're going to start half in our meals and we're going to stop getting the extra queso we're going <laughs> because everything keeps going up higher but you know the lord may tell you you know bless them bless them don't tell them that you did it right. just go tell the person at the checkout and say i want to pay for the meal of people at table 10 and and let that give you the confidence to move forward in paying for something else or doing something else. Maybe there's a young mother that is single and school is starting and their kids need clothes. I can't tell you, bless his heart, my husband, he, he would just give money to people and say, you know, I know school's starting. Take so-and-so and get them some clothes, you know. And I love that about him. But I will tell you when he don't have no money in his pocket... He's real tight. Okay. <laughs> and it's been tight times at our house before. I'm just going to share this with you. You know, <clears throat> uh, okay, when Marvin turned 60, this has been some years ago because we bought this ranch. But anyway, he tells me at 60 years old, you know what I've always wanted? I said, what's that? I've always wanted a ranch. And I'm like, why are you telling me this now? You know we got a plan. We're going to have our house paid off by 60, so when you get around to retirement, we don't have to worry about a roof over our head. Nobody's coming to get it, blah, 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 you know. That was, that was our plan, or I thought it was. And then he's telling me he wants this ranch, and I said, why didn't you tell me this 30 years ago? We could have been buying that all this time. So anyway, and, and now I want to show you the extraordinary in that because we went into a way lot of debt, okay, to buy this place. A way lot of debt and him 60 years old. Oh, Lord. You know, I'm, I was nervous about it. Jesus knows. <laughs> and anyhow, so um, we had a business we just recently sold our welding business but Marvin made these aluminum docks and they rolled in and out and then he made these aluminum floating things where you pull your boat up in whatever you call those anyway a f yeah slip a friend of ours was having work done on her house and uh, we've been friends with she and her husband for probably 30 years well she was having all this work done on her house and the contractor just happened to ask her do you know a guy named Marvin Cowart that does aluminum welding in town and she said, yes, I do. He's a great guy. He's a great family. I know both of them. I've known them for a long time and good, honest people and blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, I'm, I'm going to go talk to him about building these things. They needed nine of them. I'm talking about the biggest bid we ever got in our business of $300,000. It came in, we paid our ranch off th uh, seven years early, had money, had money left over. That's God. That's doing one of those extraordinary things that just doesn't happen. It was out of the ordinary. It came through that relationship that was built years ago that we had no idea down the road would be this.
And I have lots of stories like that in my life, and I'm only sharing with you because I want you to look at your life and find those things. You know, um, I, and it's not because I'm some super person, you know. I, I love God, and I know He's my provider. He's done it time and time again. But I know what it's like to eat peas and cornbread, cornbread for months because you can't afford to go to the grocery store. I know what it's like to have to wash your hair in the winter with cold water because you can't run the, the uh, hot water heater. I know what it's like to not run the, the dryer because you got to hang your clothes out on the line because you just can't spend the extra. But I also know what it's like to live in abundance and to be blessed. And I'm telling you, I've been both extremes in my lifetime. And uh, I'm just thankful that God has done what he's done. That's all I can say because, I mean, Marvin and I, we, we were obedient to the plans he gave us. One time, we were about to lose a Lincoln Continental. He asked me when we first got married, well, what's three things you'd like to have? And, and I have to tell you, I was all wrapped up in stuff. You know, I was, I admit it. And I like nice stuff. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? But back then, I was young and bougie and all that. And I, I wanted a fox fur, and I wanted a Lincoln Continental, and I wanted it to be one of those Mark Sixes and all this. Okay, the doors on those things were so heavy, they would all go bad. You know, you couldn't, they wouldn't shut good anyway I drove the wheels off that car because it was so pretty it was red and it had red interior it was nice but anyway the bank was about to come get it and um, so in in the plan Marvin prayed and he said that God had given him a plan of how we were going to pay this debt off and it involved some dogs we used to raise uh, Labrador retrievers so some guy was coming to get it and get one of the dogs and I was hanging the clothes out, but oh, first I ran over one of them. I was going to the bank one morning, and I ran over one of the males. You know, it couldn't be a female. It had to be one of the males. Anyway, so, because uh, we got more money for them. And uh, anyway, I prayed over that dog. I took it into the vet. They said, nothing's wrong with this dog. You couldn't have run over it in a Lincoln Continental. But I knew I had it on top of concrete. I'm telling you, God healed the dog because he was part of the plan that God made and gave my husband. Okay, so that Saturday, some dude was coming to pick up one of the dogs, and I was hanging clothes out, and I couldn't find the dog. And Marvin had gotten a job to do, a welding job, because you couldn't, a welder couldn't buy a job in the 80s, the early 80s. So anyway, while he was gone, this man was coming. I couldn't find the dog. What was I going to do when the guy got there? I'm sorry, but I can't find your dog. Anyway, I'm hanging clothes out on the line. I was about to the end up, and I was just praying. You know those prayers you're taught when you're, you know, you're never taught, I don't think, until, uh, never mind, I won't go there. Anyway, I was praying, oh God, just give me a vision, give me a vision of where this dog is, and, and I'll get it. Just help me find this dog. And I was about to hang out the last one, and I heard a voice in my head say, tell the devil to give it up. And it was like, oh, I'd never been taught how to pray spiritual warfare or how to fight the enemy in my life all I ever knew how to pray was oh Lord if it be your will oh Jesus if you'll just and and anyway sometimes you got to take the battle to the gate sometimes you have to tell the devil get your hands off of it because God already told me that he was going to use that and so you take your hands off of it and so that's what I did I hung out I was about to hang it out and I turned and I just yelled out loud devil give it up I hung out the last one. I turned around to go back to the house, and there it was. Now, 
that was part of God's plan. But it also taught me a lesson on how to pray and how to take authority over the enemy in situations that, that came up. So it ended up being an extraordinary lesson for me because it taught me that, okay? So anyway, let me get on back to my notes. Um, all right. <laughs> um, I want to talk to you about Jochebed. She was Moses' mother. Now, in Exodus 2, 1 through 10, I'm not going to read all of that, but it's back when the Pharaoh time was going on, and, and Pharaoh had heard news that there was going to be a king coming, and so he didn't want to uh, give up his throne, so what he did is he just had all the baby boys that were two on down uh, murdered. And they tried to get the babies as soon as they were born. And he had midwives that would go to all the Hebrew women because it was coming out of the Hebrew people. And so um, um, he had, um, um, what did I say? You know, ladies, that, midwives. Yeah, they would come and, and birth these babies. But the problem with it was the Hebrew women had their babies so fast that they couldn't get to them and get their babies. Well, Jochebed, she had Moses, and she hid him for three months. And then uh, after three months, she knew she was going to have to do something. So she built an ark. She got a plan. What did she do? She got a plan. God gave her a plan. She had to have the courage, though, to, work it out, to walk it out, the courage to do the plan, the willingness to walk it out and to be committed to it. I don't know how committed I could be to taking my baby, my three-month-old baby, and putting it in a little boat in a crocodile river but she did it she did it and I'm telling you God gave her a plan and what happened if she hadn't done it then the deliverer of the Hebrew people might not have lived that's how important it was and extraordinary that it was so she did that and then she sent Miriam to watch it and uh, Miriam asked the Pharaoh's daughter do you want a Hebrew woman to nurse that baby and she said yes, and she not only nursed the baby, the mama got to, Jochebed, got to nurse her own baby. She got paid for it. So that's pretty extraordinary. Uh, so now let's talk about uh, having some extremely good or special quality. I want to talk about the gifts that God gives his children. You know, it's not prideful to recognize that you have a gift of something. It's if you walk around haughty and saying, oh, I am the best of that. You know, you don't need to compare your gift to somebody else's gift. You may, you may both be singers, okay? Uh, I grew up in a family. My family did not um, play dominoes or cards with other families. We got together and had jam sessions. That's what we did. And uh, by the time I was 10 years old, I, I mean, we'd go sing at these places. By the time I was 10, I was singing in front of 500 people. Um, at 14, I entered this contest in Houston on KIKK Radio, and the winner, remember when it was country? Okay, well, um, I went in and I did that contest, and I won a recording contract, but then my parents wouldn't let me do it because I was so young, you know, they'd have had to travel with me, there's a bunch of red tape to all of that, but anyway, it's probably best they didn't because I probably would have lived a pretty wildlife because I like to be where the action is and so anyway God saved me from that but that that was an extraordinary experience I mean it's something that happened to me um, and you know did God gift me to sing yes but I'm going to tell you one time 
uh, the Lord spoke to me when I was 16 and he said, sing for me. And when I was about 34, I heard him say, sing to me. And he changed the whole, my whole mindset about singing and using my voice for the Lord because it is all to lift him up. It's not to lift me up. It's to lift him up. It is to exalt him. And one day I will stand in front of him and with the angels I will be singing and I will be lifting him up the praises that are to him. That's why I have to tell y'all I don't like to sing some of those. Now there's some hymns that are great. But I will tell you, you will not see me singing, living below in this old sinful world, hardly a comfort can afford. Does that sound like a life you want to live? Uh, no. Okay? So anyway, that was extra too. I'm kind of I'm extra. I'll tell you extra stuff. Okay. So um, the gifts that the Father gives his children... He's not hiding from you, and he's not going to take them back. Romans eleven twenty nine says, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. So that means he's not going to take it back. He's not ashamed that he gave you the gift he gave you. You know, you, you may not have a, the gift of being like an apostle or a preacher or a teacher, but you may have such a gift of kindness that everybody just wants to be around you. And boy, doesn't this world need some kindness today. It seems like nobody can agree on anything, and if you can't agree, you must hate one another. Well, that is absolutely ridiculous. All right? You know, I, you and I, in all this room, as many people, we all got an opinion. And we like the opinion we have, or we'd have a different one. And your opinion may be different than mine, but that doesn't mean I can't love you. When I look in your eyes, I'm looking at somebody that God loves. And so, should I treat you and be hateful to you? No way. No way. All right. That was extra two. Okay, so let's talk about Saul who became Paul. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10, this is what Paul says about himself. He like wrote, what, 13 books of the New Testament? He's, how many? Yeah, like a ton. Okay, and I can't get one book written. Anyway, and he's going to say, I am the least of the apostles. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But because I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace that God of God which was in me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, we preached, so you believed." So see, it doesn't matter if, if, if Jason's up here, I'm up here, Pastor Deborah's up here, Pastor Tony's up here. We are all working together to move the kingdom of God forward. I have experiences and personality traits that sprinkle my oration, my speaking to you, just as each one of them do. And it doesn't mean that mine is better than yours, etc. We're all bringing our part to move the kingdom forward. You know, it's like Joyce Meyer said one time. She said, um, "The ring gets to where the where the the finger gets to where the ring, and the eye gets to look at it. But if the eye wanted to wear the ring, y'all ever seen an eye wear a ring? Uh, no." The body is fit joined together so that it works together, okay? So we don't want to try to be disjointed and be in a position that we don't belong in, okay? Um, 
There are many pastors, teachers, apostles, etc., but each person has their own personality and they operate their gifts filtered through that personality and experience. All right, so let's move into how can you discover the extraordinary in your life. Uh, point number one, you need to be alert to what's going on around you. Are you intersecting with opportunities of, an extraordinary, of the extraordinary and missing them? You know, that could be a lot of it. Because before Trina said to me, oh, wow, you've lived an extraordinary life. I never thought of my life as extraordinary. But now I see it. Like I said earlier, I see things that I didn't see before because my eyes were opened to notice it. So we want to be alert. Um, and here's an example of an extraordinary thing that was very just simple uh, to me. It was, but... I used to have a bride and formal wear business, and I had a bride who came in. She found a dress she loved. She stood in front of the mirror on that platform, and she was just, like, mesmerized, you know. But she had this huge scar on her chest from some injury or something, and uh, it had formed a, a keloid. It was pretty sizable, and this dress had a kind of a scooped neckline. And so God gave me a creative mind, and he just did, Okay. So I began to think of ways I could fix that dress where it would cover that. And all of a sudden, I thought of this necklace that I'd bought. It was pretty big. And I went and got it, and I just lengthened it a little bit in the back with one of those little extender deals, and it dropped right down over that scar, covered the whole thing. And to me, it was, it was nothing special, but to her, it was everything. And when she stood there and saw herself... It was, it was amazing. I got, to it, I got to experience the extraordinary. You see, extraordinary can happen to you or it can happen through you. And if you're looking for those experiences, you will find it. But you've got to be looking for it. And a lot of times I think we mess up by thinking, oh, well, that can't be God. It wasn't big enough. You know, it wasn't super exciting or powerfully spiritual. A lot of times the things that, that God uses are, are not those things. It's, it's something very simple. You know, Jesus was expected to come as a king. He was expected to come in on a, you know, and sit on a throne. But what did he do? He chose a teenage girl and a carpenter. He chose a lowly place to come. And you need to remember that when you're thinking about your own life. Okay, so are we listening to the Father's voice and those unctions that we get, the feeling that you need to do something? Like I said about praying or talking to someone, just encouraging someone in like Walmart or any other store. Um, there's been a couple of times, I don't, uh, this is not something that I've operated in the past very much, you know, like you've heard people in the spiritual world say, you know, I got a word for you, you know, be careful if anybody ever says that, because sometimes their word could be God, absolutely, but sometimes it can be tainted with their own personality or thoughts, and and we're human, and we can miss God. I'll just tell you that. We can miss God. I can miss God. You can miss God. So you, we're, we're trying to do. And so anyway, a couple of times in our church service, I've had a very strong unction that I needed to speak some words of encouragement to some people. It's happened a couple of times here. And I always preface it with this because 
I have, Marvin and I have done personal ministry for a lot of years, and we've run into situations where, like, people have been told that they shouldn't marry a certain person and um, got involved in their lives like that, and I'm telling you that's too far because those situations and, like, in ministry, like when we prayed for another child before our niece came to live with us, um, I was promising all these things to God. If you give us a baby, you know, we'll set it apart and make sure that it's anointed for your service and all that kind of stuff and the Lord spoke to me and he said the anointed one is already with you so even though I knew that and knew it when Jason was very young it's something I never said to him because God's call is God's call if you believe one of your children has a ministry gift it's all right to recognize that and to nurture them but you need to let the call on their life come from God because one day Jason was sitting in front of Ritter Lumber Company working while he was going to college and he heard God say Jason I'm calling you to the ministry what I would like for you to do is preach and that was the perfect way for Jason to hear God's call it wasn't surrender your life to me I'm gonna make you know it wasn't like that at all it was just very simple and just what Jason needed to hear. Because I will tell you this, there have been many a young man who really the Lord was calling into a deeper relationship with him, and they miscued it because the only thing they knew they could do other than be a church congregant was be a preacher. And there are people who have filled pulpits that were not necessarily called to fill a pulpit. And... Um, so you have to be real careful about how you say something to someone. So anyway, if, you ever, if I ever come up to you and I say, you know, I really feel like the Lord is saying this, here's one thing I'm going to say to you first. I'm going to say, look, I have a strong feeling from the Holy Spirit that I'm supposed to speak this to you, but I'm going to tell you I'm trying to follow God. And if what I say does not resonate with something that's going on with you already, just know that I'm trying to hear God clearly and just know that's what I'm trying to do. But if it doesn't line up with what you're feeling, then just know I was trying, okay? Yeah. And every time it has been, I cannot believe you're saying that they've just begin weeping. That's exactly how I was feeling and blah, blah, blah. So what happens is that gives you the encouragement that you're hearing his voice so you can move beyond that and, and that probably will begin to happen more often. But you have to be careful because you may know things about them. As I get to know y'all, see, there may be things about your life that I know that could taint what I'm hearing the Spirit say. So I want to be careful and anybody in this church that has the authority to release that kind of word to you, they are going to be trying to hear what God says. They're not trying to do anything that would set your life on a path another direction. We all want to move you forward and deeper in the Lord. So anyway, <clears throat> so are you using your gifts? Now, they can be any kind of gift. Um, they can be, like I said earlier, you know, kindness. They can be your outgoing personality. You're carrying hugs. I mean, what did I tell y'all here not too long ago when I did transition? That there, I knew I was loved. My daddy kissed us on the forehead when I was a kid every day before he went to work. But um, he wasn't a hugger. And so I didn't get that kind of feeling, you know. And um, so I had to learn how to let people hug me. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's kind of weird 
because I'm a loving person. I'll tell you anything about myself. I like you. I like to have fun, you know, all of that. But uh, I've never been a real hugger. And so I've had to kind of learn to let people hug me. And I'm trying, and I'm, I'm working on it. But I'll tell you, the Sunday that I said that, I stood over here, and Tawana was here. And she came up to me after service, and she said, I just want to give you a big hug. And I just fell into her chest, and she gave me the <laughs> best hug. And it was so awesome. And I texted her that week and said, I just want you to know that that, that hug, it took care of things. Because that week I was a mess. We had lost some young people to death. And, and I mean, it had been like three weeks of funerals. And, I mean, I was sick of death. I was sick of it. And I was feeling in my, I was in my feelings like bad. And uh, that hug took care of it. So the second service, I was able to talk without crying the whole time. <clears throat> so, see, you could just have, um, have a gift of hugging. I don't know. My husband has that. Yeah. I'm telling you what, he is a hugger. And he hugged me one time in the store when I first met him. And I was, like, looking around to see if anybody had seen that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it was really funny. I was getting pictures made at at the West Gibsons and uh, you know those old kind where they pull the little screen down behind you <laughs> and they make you do your face a certain way you know and all this anyway and he was over here looking at the belts like he's looking at the belts he wasn't looking at the belts <laughs> anyway and then he comes over and he gives me one of those big old daddy hugs I mean he does you know you need a hug from a daddy you just go see my husband um, and it was like oh my gosh is anybody see did anybody see that <laughs> anyway, okay, let me get back to what I'm supposed to be preaching about. But anyway, using our gifts, you know, there's not only preaching, teaching, and evangelizing. There's all kinds of way to show kindness and love. You know, your imagination. Maybe you're great at, at imagining things. I mean, that can be extraordinary. Have you ever seen anybody that kind of like make kind of stuff like this? See, I can't do that. But there's people that can do that and make signs and stuff that are like amazing you know, it opens up doors for jobs they never thought they might have. So anyway, let's get it down to Jesus. And in closing here, um, an extraordinary thing doesn't have to be out of the ordinary. I think that's the main thing I want to tell you today. And But when you recognize God's um, leading in the ordinary things, that's when they become extraordinary. So rather than trying to be Superman or woman, just be a good man or woman. Uh, just put a little extra into the ordinary around you and watch how God takes something mundane and makes it miraculous. And so today, I want to bring it down to Jesus and say, as I mentioned earlier, you know, he, he was expected to come as a king, maybe a Caesar. They were expecting someone who was going to take care of everything. But he chose the teenage girl and the carpenter to come. You know, he came in a, in a lowly way. And the, the Father just needs us mainly to be willing. I think in my life, every time I've looked and seen things that were extraordinary, it wasn't that I was so great at something. It was I was just willing. I was just willing. And I think that's the key to mostly the whole living the Christian life is just willing. Are you willing? Are you willing to let the Lord take your ordinary things and make them extraordinary? So today, I just... Um, want you to know that he could accomplish great things in our lives if we would just let him do that and let him have access to the very things that we take uh, as mundane. Stop looking for the next big thing and just do 
what God's called you to do. Live a good, holy life. So this week, I just want to bless all of y'all and pray that you all go out. You be extraordinary this week. When you open your eyes to the things in your life that are extraordinary, you will know when they happen from that point on. So God bless you all. Love you. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.